and welcome to another exciting Asaka podcast. As usual, my name is Chris McGowan. I'm the Principal Information Security Professional Practice Lead here at Isaka. Joining me today is uh, Ray Piano. He recently authored an article titled Using Risk-Based Approach to Prioritize Vulnerability Remediation. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Ray, before we jump into um, your article and, and vulnerability management um, risk-based approach to it, uh, would you mind telling myself and uh, our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I've been in IT for over 25 years, focusing on cybersecurity for the last 14 uh, to 15 years. Um, I started out as a database programmer uh, and moved through the progression of a database programmer, uh, database administrator, database engineer, uh, but I've always had a passion for security. Uh, once I became a little bit tired of uh, database, uh, uh, the database uh, area, I decided to go uh, and start focusing more on information security and uh, cybersecurity. I've worked in multiple industries. I've worked in the uh, sports entertainment industry. I've worked in uh, healthcare industry, worked in the financial industry, and also the fashion industry uh, over, or, over my career. Uh, personally, uh, I am originally from New York City, but I now make my home in sunny Deland, Florida, and I have a wife and two kids, and I just found out that I am going to be a grandpa, so I'm very excited about that. Wow, congratulations. I just became a grandpa four days ago. Oh, uh, congratulations. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> um, so I have to ask, you, you mentioned uh, entertainment industry and fashion industry. You mind telling us what? What you did? Uh, sure, afternoon? sure. So I I I worked at Madison Square Garden, uh, wow. right back in the uh, early night uh, early nineties. It, it, it's a weird thing because I started out in uh, hospitality there and kind of evolved a little bit into their pseudo tech support for their POS system. <laughs> so um, so they, it was kind of my second my secondary job that the the tech support. And then with the with the fashion, uh, I was a um, point of sale uh, uh, engineer for Louis Vuitton. Uh, so the LVMH fashion group, Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy, which has a lot of uh, brands under uh, under it. Uh, but uh, that's um, uh, I was uh, point of sale support uh, for for their systems there for for two, three years. Wow. That's, did you get free tickets at Madison Square Garden? Oh, we we had backstage. We had total oh, okay. like backstage. So I saw all the backstage shows and uh, saw some things that you know probably normal people shouldn't see. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'm sure. So jumping into your um your article content, um, risk based approach to vulnerabilities management. Why why do you think that it's important to have a risk based approach to it? It's important because it, it, it's it's critical for an organization to understand what the risk is uh, when things are not working when things are not working correctly or when systems are vulnerable uh, to, to to malicious actors. All right, vulnerability uh, vulnerability management has exploded over the many years because just the sheer number of uh, systems that organizations are, are have implemented, uh, the sheer number of software that, that's out there. And 
unfortunately, when it comes to software and systems, there are flaws, you know, flaws and vulnerabilities uh, that that occur with the, the that occur with those systems. All right, and it's very challenging for organizations to understand or, or to be able to remediate those flaws and those vulner and, and those vulnerabilities without understanding what the risk to the to the organization is. That's similar, like you know, you use a scanner or whatever tool you're going to use uh, that might be off the shelf or tweaked a little bit for whatever your organization is. They're they're not really adequate enough to give you that risk side of it, are they? No, they're, no, they're not, and they're not really built for that. I mean, they're they're, they're built to you know you feed you feed them a set of IP addresses. They go out, they scan, they scan the environment, find what they need, and uh, and, and report back. But they don't. Those scanners don't have the visibility as to what your organization, what your primary focus of the organization. So, in other words, what industry you're in, what your primary focuses are, what your you know, um, the your asset criticality uh so uh, how important your assets are you know so you have you know you could have a tiering level these systems and applications are your tier one uh then you can go down the line tier two tier three tier four those scanners really don't have that kind of visibility to understand okay how important those as those assets are so while the vulnerability scanners tell you Okay, what's out there, or, or or what needs to be remediated? It's up to the organization to apply logic and apply, uh, as as I say, you know, risk calculations to determine how to remediate and which systems to remediate uh, first. Do you think a lot of companies are using risk based approach, or is it is it a new thing? Uh, they. Organizations that I have witnessed, organizations have started looking at a at a risk based approach because of the challenges that I uh, that I put forward in in my article. So you have the increased number of vulnerabilities, which has grown exponentially uh, over time. Okay, uh, we don't have the final numbers for 2023 yet, but for the first four months of 2023, we're already on pace to uh, be higher than 2022. On unpublished on published vulnerabilities. All right, then you have the uh, the issue with resources. Uh, you have the issue with downtime. So as you know, organizations and companies are you know coming onto the web over the last you know 10, 15 years. Okay, almost every organization that you can think of is twenty four by seven. So taking down taking down servers for maintenance. All right, causes interruption in the business. So with those, you know, with those challenges, okay, it's very important for organizations to really look at their remediation and say, okay, what can what can we remediate? What should we remediate first? All right, and then work and then work towards the backlog or work towards the remediation timeline uh, to be able to uh, to get everything uh, remediated. And a risk-based approach helps them with uh, with that exercise. That's where the term, uh, what is it, asset criticality? Correct. That's kind of where that comes into play, right? Exactly. If you think about asset criticality, is you may have uh, you may have five or six systems that are vulnerable to the same uh, uh, to the same flaw. 
Okay. You know, let's say, you know, let's take uh, Lock4j. Everybody knows about Lock4j. <laughs> yeah, even out of the industry, everybody knows about Lock4j. So, but you have, let's say you have six, six systems that are vulnerable to Lock4j. All right, but four of those systems are very are very low criticality. In other words, they're a tier four application. They don't, um, they're not mission critical or business critical. They're not customer facing, uh, and, and so on. So you might delay the remediation for those while you have the other two, okay, that are internet facing, customer facing. Uh, directly affects your bottom line. You know, if those if those systems go down or these systems are compromised, could do major damage to the organization. You're going to prioritize those two systems before you before you tackle the other four systems. And that that also works in reverse, right? Like if say it comes back saying it's a low low priority vulnerability or low level vulnerability, but it could be the system itself might be a higher criticality. So you would have to almost bump it up and just because something comes in in green or yellow and it's not red, you might have to prioritize it depending on the risk, right? Absolutely. Because again, your scanners don't have that visibility as, the, as to what's critical, critical in, your, in your organization. And that's why I always discuss, when I discuss this topic, I always talk about the temporal and, envi and environmental metrics Okay, of uh, your... Uh, common vulnerability exposures or your or, or published CVEs. So most scanners will give you a CVE score that's just your standard score, all right? And they might give you some temporal information as far as is that vulnerability being exploited out in the wild, you know, are, are, are proof of uh, have proof of concepts of compromise been, um, been detected? They'll, they'll give you that information, but what inf that is, that's what information the scanner doesn't have, okay, is that environmental metrics. So what systems, okay, the systems that are affected by the vulnerability, what do they do? What are the, What is their function? What is their effect on the business? So what is their function in the business? What is their effect on the business? And what, okay, what would happen if that system would be compromised? So it's, it's basically very critical to for whatever organization depending on size it doesn't really matter on understanding what what assets they have and and where they fall in that criticality absolutely and and that's and 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 even today there are a lot of organizations out there that are still struggling just with their overall asset management all right and you know, you look at any one of your standard frameworks out there. If you look at your NIST, you look at in healthcare, you look at your high trust in banking or finance, you look at your FFIEC. There's always that that fundamental item that exists in all of them: asset management, knowing what your assets are. All right, if you don't know what assets you have, if you don't know what's been deployed in your organization, okay, it's very very difficult to be able to manage them and protect them effectively all right so we take so with the risk-based approach you take that to the next level okay let's say you you do know all your assets now you need to determine how important is that asset to your organization okay and then you also have to have asset dependency so for example if server a is compromised how will that affect server b or if application a is compromised can that have a downstream effect to your other uh, two other applications
So you have so so that that's taking asset management to okay to the next level and applying that criticality value. And I think that's extremely important. I mean, you got to know what what you have to be able to protect it in in all aspects of of securing whatever whatever your organization has. So um, I know there's quite a bit, and we touched on it briefly, that quite a bit of backlog of vulnerability when it comes to vulnerability management because of you know remote work, bring your devices to work. Uh, the more technology gets developed, gets added to you know, whatever network or whatever, is that, is that what's really causing the backlog, do you think? That is part of it. But uh, for me, the, the backlog uh, is, again, the number of vulnerabilities that, are, that are, have been published uh, over the years. Okay, starting in 2017, the, the, um, the, amount ha the amount of vulnerabilities has just kept going and kept rising keep getting higher all right uh so you know that so that that's part of it uh part of it is the lack of you know the lack of resources all right to be able to um to remediate vulnerability uh vulnerabilities in in a timely manner and i'm talking about not just lack of resources you know having a lean you know lean teams but also uh individuals having the cybersecurity knowledge all right, to be able to understand what the what the vulnerabilities are, how to remediate them, and uh, and so on. Um, we all know that there is a shortage of cybersecurity of qualified cybersecurity practitioners uh, in the world today. The number that I cited was something like three million jobs, I believe, that are uh, that are open out there. I, I know it's constantly changing, uh, so that's. Um, that's part of it as well. And also, uh, I'm always going to go back to that downtime. All right. Nobody wants downtime. You know, everybody wants, you know, four nines or five nines of uptime. But if you're going to really remediate vulnerabilities, you, you got to take some downtime to be able to uh, get the, get those systems patched. But and then that and then that also brings in, well, then you can do high availability. Uh, you could do failover. All right. But now that brings into that brings into it financial uh, decisions that that have to be made. All right, a lot of these things that you know that can be done to re, to um, to reduce some of these items that are uh, some of these challenges are going are, are expensive. They're they're going to cost money to be able to implement them. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of uh, I mean, in my experience, a lot of um, organizations that I've worked for they see those big CVEs or those big vulnerabilities, the big ones, you know, that make all the noise and that's what they prioritize. And, you know, I use the, the terms, you know, green, yellow, red, when it comes to grading of a vulnerability, not using a risk-based approach, just vulnerability management in general. And some organizations that I've worked for before, if it's not in the high yellow, you don't worry about it. Not even looking at it. And I would always preach to, you know, people above me is like, I get it's going to take more manpower to do it. But like we spoke about before, you might not realize it's a green on what shows on the scanner or whatever product you're using. But it, if, say, you know, it got hacked or something bad happened, it could actually cause more problems than some of the yellow or reds. And a lot of the times it wasn't a money per se. Well, manning is money. But a lot of times we don't have the people to throw at it. So just don't worry about it. Right. And I'm like, 
okay, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's taking, it's not taking risk-based approach. That's more like, you know, let's just, let's deal with the, you know, the, the blaring alarms rather than a holistic approach to, to vulnerability man- management in general. And um, I think I told you when we talked before the podcast, my wife works for a company and she does vulnerability management and, you know, not to be specific, but she's, she's been flabbergasted with different organizations that have that backlog. And it's not just, you know, 50, 60 vulnerabilities. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of, I mean, it's the numbers like exponential and Mm -hmm. it's just crazy to think how much that's going to grow, you know, year after year after year. It's right. It's going to continue to grow year after year after year, especially when, again, the number of vulnerability, the the number of flaws or the number of vulnerabilities that are discovered just keeps growing. Okay. And I don't think that's ever, that's ever going to change, you know, okay. You know, software company, software companies, especially, okay. Their, you know, their model is, you know, product to market, product to market. So they're going to push that product to market. All right. And if something, you know, vulnerability comes in, then we'll, we'll take care of it, you know, after the fact. Okay. So there, so as they're pushing that product to market, okay. If they're not doing their due diligence, then there are going to be more vulnerabilities and more flaws introduced into the, in, uh, into the industries. I remember, you know, when, when the new operating system came out, new version doesn't really, I'm not going to name which ones, but you know, just a new version of anything, even for your cell phones. I always hated it having, you know, the experience I have like, Oh, great. It's going to break stuff. You know, as soon as you update an, an iOS or an operating system and that's what it does. And after, Oh, we'll just report, you know, the vulnerabilities or whatever, and you find there's holes throughout anything, because like you said, product to market, and it's just from a security standpoint, it always blew my mind. Every, you know, the, the average person's just like, Oh, well, you know, don't fix it. Not knowing, you know, this could be, um, detrimental to your privacy slash whatever. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Right. So how exactly, I mean, did we, did we really touch on it? I mean, the actual calculating that vulnerability risk. So th- th- there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways. I don't like to give, um, uh, organizations or anyone that reads my article, like an exact calculation because it all really depends on, on, on their organization. What I try to provide is a guideline, right? These are the things that these are the things that you that, that you want to look at. I mean, you can take your standard, you know, risk grid, okay, quantitative risk grid, and you know, a low is, uh, you know, zero to zero three is a low, four to six is a, a moderate, seven to ten is is a high, and above ten is critical, or maybe your ten is critical. But then you can use those calculate. You can use those numbers to determine what your calculation is. All right. And then different organizations might um, show their asset criticality or their asset severity differently. They might, you know, they might um, display it as tiers. So tier one, tier one asset to tier four, tier five. Uh, they can say level one to four. I, I, I worked with an organization that their highest, their, their most critical assets were level four and went down level three, level two, level one. So, so th- th- there's different ways uh, um, that, that they can do it. I always say it's, it's better for the organization to decide how they're going to calculate, okay, and how they're going to display that information 
but they need to take in what they need to take into account in the calculation is of course the CVE score, take into account the temporal and the environmental metrics that we discussed earlier, take into account the, uh, the asset criticality. And one thing that we haven't discussed is the strength of controls already in place. Okay, so one of the things that can also affect your uh, a risk score for a vulnerability is well, what control what controls do you have in place? Okay, for the for that might um, reduce the risk. Okay, of that vulnerability. Okay, and and the risks um, as I as I laid out in the article, you know, you um, let's consider the the following the following scenario. Right, we have a vulnerabilities discovered in an asset that is rated as a very high or critical based on the scanner. But you look at it and say, okay, the information is not public internet facing, does not contain sensitive information. Okay, you have MFA in place to be able to access that, that system. Audit logging and monitoring are implemented. Okay, and there's a very a low to very low business impact if the system is not available. So with all those factors, you can say, okay, so it's a very high, but with all those mitigating controls, um, and the uh, and the things that are in place, we can probably downgrade that from a very high to let's say a moderate. All right, and then that can take you know that that can be put to the side for a little bit, not forever. That can be put over to the side while you tackle your your very high or your uh, critical vulnerabilities. Yeah, that's a very important uh, point to make. I mean, I think that you know you'd hope that most organizations already do some form of this, but as we know, that's it's it's not the case all the time. Um, so Ray, before we um, come to a close today, sadly, uh, is there any th last things you want to share with our uh, audience today? So the only thing I would like to share, what I would like to share with everyone is, you know, m uh, understand and make sure that your organization understands, okay, risk, uh, okay, risk in general. Okay, sometimes risk is looked at as, you know, a, 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 a necessary evil because, you know, your regulatory, your legal and regulatory requirements require you to measure risk. Uh, you know, frameworks talk about risk, but they really don't take it, they really don't look into it, okay, deep, uh, as deep as, as they should. Okay, from a cybersecurity risk, per, you know, pers uh, risk perspective, You've got to look at everything in the environment that can cause that can cause harm to the organization. Now, when I say that is marrying that cybersecurity risk from a technical perspective to your enterprise risk management from a business perspective. So, uh, you know, a lot of cybersecurity risk practitioners will look at say, okay, the risk of a vulnerability is high, or the risk of this port being opened is high. Okay, and then just leave it at that. Okay, no. If the if, if there is a vulnerability or there's a finding, all right, how is that going to affect the organization? And not just from a technical perspective, saying yeah, it could be the asset can be compromised, data can be stolen. You got to take it to the next level. Okay, if the data is uh, is stolen, okay, or if that system is compromised, how is that going to affect the organization? from a legal perspective, compliance perspective, financial perspective, reputation perspective. Okay, you got to put down that lens and understand how the, how 
what the cybersecurity risk, how can how that can affect your overall enterprise business risk? Because what once you're you know you're talking about risk to your C level and to the board and so on, okay, all they all they want to know is how is the how is this issue or how is this vulnerability or how is this finding going to affect me? from a business perspective, what do I have to worry about? Okay, all right, and as you saw, and as you've seen from the fallout of a lot of the breaches that have happened in the years, who are the ones that get affected first? C-level and executives. Those are the first ones that go out the door. <laughs> okay. So from, from a business level perspective, they understand that there's risk, but you need to be able to tie in that, that cyber risk, the cybersecurity risk, Okay, to the risk that they're talking about or the risk that they're worried about. Yeah, Ray, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. We have all these fancy tools and the frameworks are all great things, um, but they're just what it is. It's a framework. You have to have that that human connection to be able to take information and then cross it over, like you said, into how does that affect what? I think that's, that's a piece. A, a lot of people that do remediation, you know, vulnerability management, remediation stuff. I think some people miss that. Um, Cause like you said, I mean, when you report it up there, they don't, they don't really care about graphs and fancy numbers. They want to know what, well, okay, what's that going to affect? What's that going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things when, um, um, when I went to school, um, you know, full transparency, I dropped out, uh, I, Got, uh, I dropped out when I first went to college. Then I went back and got an associate's degree just to get back, get into the industry. When I decided to go back and get my bachelor's degree, all right, I didn't get a computer science degree. I didn't get an info, uh, information security, cybersecurity degree. I got a management degree, a business management. So business administration, business management degree. Why? Because I realized that I needed, if I'm going to be effective as a cybersecurity practitioner, okay, I need to understand how business works. I understand, I need to understand how the business world works and what those, you know, C-level executives and, and the board of directors, what they're looking for when it comes to reporting up. All right. Yes, the graphs are nice. All right. But you have to put it for them in plain English so, so, they, so they understand. Yes, I, I agree 100%. Um, most of my career was in government work. And then moving over, you know, to this side of the house, it's that was a learning curve in the beginning, because my mindset was a certain way. But then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm missing like a big picture here. Um, and then, like, I always close most of my podcast, you know, stating I'm, I learned something every podcast. That's why I think uh, this kind of thing is very important. Um, and I, I hope that people take away from this, you know, the importance of, of the content of what we've been talking about. So Ray, um, if you don't have anything else, I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, I've enjoyed the content. I, I really enjoyed the article. And if uh, anybody's interested in uh, reading the article, there'll be a link in the description of this podcast. I highly suggest you do. So um, to everybody out there, just keep learning and uh, keep doing what we do. Thank you.